0: are listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from preachthebible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tennyson said, "Prayer is the heart's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed." The motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer ought to be the very breath of a Christian. The fact is, when we are born again, we ought to start breathing prayer. There are four lines of Christian growth along which one must develop or he just doesn't grow in Christ. One is, is feeding upon the milk of the Word as a babe in Christ, in the sincere milk of the word, and then the meat of the word. And uh, one is exercise. A baby needs to exercise. They put little colored things up on the crib so he'll reach up and do a little exercising. And uh, atmosphere. We need atmosphere. God established local churches for that reason. Sometimes people say, oh, you're going to Bob Jones University. That's a hothouse situation, isn't it? Well, you can raise better vegetables in a hothouse in the wintertime than you can out in the snow. And uh, I needed a Christian atmosphere when I was first converted. Still need it. I needed it badly. I needed all the help I could get as a college student. And I thank God for what Bob Jones College In those days, it was college, what it meant to me. And uh, thank God for this wonderful atmosphere. And another thing a Christian must do when he's born again is breathe. Breathe prayer. You start out thanking God for salvation. And I believe there ought to be stated times of prayer. In fact, this hour is set apart as a, a prayer hour. And every Christian, every individual ought to have a stated time of prayer. The psalmist said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Uh, You know, uh, I believe in those stated times of prayer, and I do have times for prayer. But I try to pray without ceasing. Jesus taught men always to pray and not to faint. You can pray while you're working. There's no special bodily attitude for prayer. Jesus stood and prayed, and he knelt and prayed, and he fell on his face and prayed. One of the best positions I ever found for prayer was hanging on a tent rope, trying to hold the tent down when the storm was blowing. Reminds me of a little poem I hope I can quote, a proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keyes. The only proper attitude is down upon his knees. Oh, no, said Reverend Dr. Wise. A man should pray standing straight with uplifted arms and closed eyes. Oh, no, no, said Elder Slow. A man should, uh, such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and... uh, Head contritely bowed. Well, it seems to me a man should pray with his hands clasped in front, austerely, and, and his thumbs pointed down, said uh, Deacon someone else. I forgot it was blunt, as uh, had to make, make it rhyme. Uh, Last year I fell in Hidkins' well, said Cyrus Brown with a head pointed down and both heels sticking up. I made a prayer right then and there. Best prayer I ever said. The prayingest prayer I ever prayed standing on my head. So, there's no bodily attitude. You can pray sitting in class. In fact, uh, I prayed many times sitting in class that God would bring to mind things I needed to remember. And uh, thank God for the privilege of praying without ceasing. But there ought to be real seasons of prayer. God answers prayer. And the, day the door is open. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. He always answers prayer when people pray. The trouble is, they don't pray. They go through forms and ceremonies and say prayers. Most people are like the man who said his prayers once a year on New Year's night. Every other night when he went to bed, he said, ditto. Lord, you know what I need? Amen. Good night. As well, turn a prayer wheel. But when you pray from this, from your heart, the psalmist said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He was in anxiety when he cried unto the Lord. The context would show in that third psalm. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many there be that lift up themselves against me. And so forth. And he said... Many there are that say of my soul, there is no hope for him in God, no help in God. But he said, Thou art my shield, so forth. And he said, I cried unto the Lord, under those circumstances, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I could stand here all day and consume all my time and stand here midnight and tell one experience after another in which God has answered prayers for me in my evangelistic work throughout these years. But I remember many years ago I got really burdened for a young man by the name of Fred Waters down in Anniston, Alabama. Somebody told me that Fred was under conviction and said he was going to be converted on the 4th of July, or the 5th of July. He was going out on the 4th and get drunk, then on the 5th he was going to get saved. Well, he went out and carried out his purpose on the 4th and got in a wreck and was seriously injured. He was in the hospital. I went down to see him, but could not see him at the time. He got out and started attending the meetings, and uh, I'd never met him personally. Somebody pointed him out and said, that's Fred Waters. There was a young lady for whom I was burdened. Her name was Christine Morrison. She sang in the choir, and uh, I did not think she was saved. And one night, just before the service, I went upstairs and got on my knees, and I said, "Oh God." If you never save another soul, I want you to save Fred Waters and Christine Marsh. I did it in a very simple way. I was burdened for those people, and I prayed until I I just had assurance that God was going to speak to them. I went down to the service when He gave the invitation. We sang one stanza, "Just as I am, without one plea, but that Thy blood was shed for me." Down the aisle came Fred Waters and fell on his knees. I said, there's a young lady here whom God is calling. We're going to sing another stanza as we sang Christine Mars came out of her place round to the front and knelt down to the side of Fred Waters. And I stopped the service. I said, don't tell me that God doesn't answer prayer. Just before this service started, I went upstairs and got on my knees. I said, oh God, if you never save another soul, I want you to save Fred Waters and Christine Mars. Here they are weeping on their knees. And, uh, Others were saved that night. But I know God answers prayer. Definitely. I could tell you so many experiences. Years ago, I was in a meeting down in Eustis, Florida, and uh, every day we met at the parsonage for prayer with the pastor and his wife, uh, Dr. John Hay. He was a Scotsman. And they would have tea every morning, and then we'd pray. And some neighbors who lived across the street from the church would come over and pray with us, Mr. and Mrs. Bunty. They had a son named Franklin, who was a student in college, not far away, and uh, they would pray for their son. And I got some burden for Frank, for that boy Bunty, Franklin Bunty. I prayed in the same manner that I prayed for Christine Marson and, and uh, Fred Waters. I just, just had to see him saved. And I shall never forget that last night when I gave the invitation. We sang stanza after stanza, and then they quit coming. And I just said, Lord, I can't close without that young man coming. We sang one more stanza. Down the aisle he came, wrapped his big arms around me, trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. And over and over and over I've seen that take place. And I've seen God answer prayer in simple ways. I was remember once I preached it. A rally, a youth rally, back in the days when Youth for Christ was really for Christ. And uh, we were at uh, Rochester, New York. And I was to supply for Dr. Eyre the next day in New York, Calvary Baptist Church. And uh, my wife said, I feel like traveling tonight if you want to drive. I'd planned to take the train and come back and get her. And we were going to New England. And uh, she said, I feel like riding tonight if you want to drive. So we started out from Buffalo and got down there along by the Finger Lakes, and we were in a comparatively new car, but it stopped on us. We stopped for gas and, and could not get it started. Found out the generator was out, so uh, there was no way to get to New York. Couldn't hitchhike. No traffic. There in the middle of the night, in fact, it was one o'clock in the morning, and uh, I said, well, let's just pray. God has a will, and we prayed, and Uh, There was a young couple there spending the weekend with her parents, and they said, We live in Syracuse. We'll take you up there and let you catch a train. Well, I said, I can't ask you to do that. You're down here visiting. We'll come back next weekend. Come on, we'll take you. They were a Roman Catholic family. We led them to Christ on the way to Syracuse and got there in time to catch the 3 o'clock train. We had 20 minutes to get the train. Had to hurry. Got off at Grand Central Station, New York at he, at uh, 20 minutes after 10, caught a cab and got to the, the Salisbury Hotel, which is there, at the, right adjacent to the church. I walked on the pole, uh, on the platform at one minute of 11, and the assistant pastor said, "You have a, a nice night, Dr. Park." I said, "I certainly did. The Lord certainly answered prayer. I had a great night, and I've seen God do that through these years. And I can tell you, great saints who prayed, God answered prayer." Elijah prayed, God shut up the heavens so it didn't rain for three years. Then he prayed for rain, and had to get run to keep from getting wet. Uh, Moses prayed, and God sent water from the rock in the wilderness. Down through the centuries, people have prayed, and God answered prayer. Peter prayed, they had a prayer meeting for Peter. He was in jail. They had a prayer meeting across, across town. God sent an angel down to lead Peter to safety. He went over to join the prayer meeting, knocked at the door. Little damsel saw him and said, Mr. Peter's out there at the door. They said, You're mistaken, dear. He's in jail. That's why we're having a prayer meeting. God answered their prayer in spite of the lack of faith. It doesn't take much faith, just as much as a grain of mustard seed. That'll move mountains. Little faith becomes a big faith when it's exercised in a big God. Mustard seed grows into a big tree. And faith grows when you exercise it. Jesus said to uh, or rather, Jesus invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Doctor Bob made a statement a while ago that was touching to me, and he said, "Anything that grieves him grieves us," and I said, "It's mutual. It's true." But anything that touches you touches Jesus. You persecute one of His; He shouts from heaven, "Why persecutest thou me?" That's what he said when they persecuted Saul, or Saul persecuted Christians. Anything that touches you touches him. And as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And as much as you've not done it to these, my brethren, you've not done it to me. So with that kind of a Savior representing us, great high priest at the right hand of God the Father, we ought to come boldly to the throne of grace. God loves us. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust, but he pities us, even as a father pities his children. The Holy Spirit knows our infirmities. The Spirit himself helpeth our infirmities. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. We quote glibly Romans 8:28. So all things work together for good to them that love God. But notice the conjunction, and we know that all things, why do they work together? Because the Holy Spirit's praying for us. We don't know how we ought to pray, but he makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So with the Father having pity upon us, the Holy Spirit helping our infirmities, and Jesus touched with the feeling of our infirmities, we can come boldly to the throne with confidence to obtain mercy. Aren't you glad you don't have to come to a throne of judgment? Jesus took our judgment for us. Come to a throne of grace, unmerited favor, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is certainly a time of need. So with that confidence, knowing that he is touched with anything that touches us. Are you grieved? He wept at the grave of Lazarus. Are you persecuted? So was he. Are you in pain? He understands that. He was as human as you are, though as much God as if he had not been human. So with that wonderful